So obviously now, please don't get all excited and have climaxes watching this. Now you've seen how beautiful I really am. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next episode of Drugs and Stuff. Today, Dave and I are going to tackle your listener questions like we always do. We're going to start out by talking about our new advertiser, Strom Sports. If you're in the UK, if you want to support our programming and get some good supplements, then check out Strom. After that, we tackle your listener questions. As always, I've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. We've got questions from a respected coach, Cornelius Parkin. He asks about Dave's old diet. He used to eat like 10 pounds of fish and 10 pounds of potato literally every freaking day. He also asks about Dave's thoughts on logbooks. Then from there, we talk about PRP. After that, we're asked, do digestive enzymes affect how well medications work? Will all the strength in pumps from Anadrol actually translate into gains? Can you test estrogen from home? D-ball and Anadrol in the same cycle. Can you make gains on a ketogenic diet? We talk about test to master on ratio, super draw dosing and side effects to look out for, slow and long contest diet versus fast and hard prep yeah i said fast and hard uh, all of that and a bunch more guys if you guys want to take part in the next episode then comment below we'll take your questions then plus comments likes all that stuff it helps to boost us in the algorithm and hey if you're new here let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week featuring top level coaches ifbb pros and educators in our industry that are all here to help you do better at this sport that we love all right guys let's get to dave What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McDonald. Dave. What? Dave Dave HD Crossland. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. Supplement source. If you're in Canada, you can get a pre-workout there on blowout deals for like 15 bucks. Patreon, of course. And we've got a new sponsor for the program, new advertiser for our UK people, Strom Sports. Look at that shirt, Dave. I'm wearing a Strom mm. shirt today. I got this shirt when I was. To be honest, in that Liverpool. is better than your normal fashion sense. It's British. Is that why? Because like it's you no, can relate to it. It's just not a hideous shirt like you normally wear. Oh, thanks, Dave. You've. Pleasure. You, You've known uh, Rich Foster over at Strom for a long time. We've, in fact, he's been on the show a couple times. I thought mm-hmm. they'd be a good fit. We won't, we won't belabor on here. At some point, you guys will see commercials and stuff. We'll keep them short. I try not to overdo it with the ads and stuff. Uh, and we, I do want to say though that we only work with companies that we absolutely believe in that we can get behind. Um, and they even have a, a product that you took part in making, don't they, Dave? So yeah, that was a few years ago. We. We developed um, Support Max, uh, which was, uh, to be honest, one of the. You know, I think Rich brought his out slightly before, but it was one of the first proper, effective on-cycle support products. Okay. Um, uh, and when it initially came out, I mean, from what Rick said to me, um, there was very little in the way of profit margins in it. It was purely just a case of more, really. To, create an ethical product yeah i think now with volume of sales and stuff the, the products become more commercially viable for him but uh yeah i mean i, I didn't have a we i had been toying with the idea of, of doing a support supplement for a long time and i'd, I'd gone a bit ott in that i had these set stacks but they were a bit i wouldn't say they were kitchen sink because everything in them was effective but it would have made the product quite expensive right and it was going to be very much like a lot of the support stacks are now. So it was going to be like a modular stack. So you'd have something for CV, something for uh, so something for heart, something for cholesterol, something for liver, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then Rick approached me and said, I think he was aware I, I had this on the back burner and I hadn't done anything with it. I'd been sat there over a year. I'd spoke to someone about making it, but they turned out to be a bit of a prick and it never went anywhere. Um, and I just put it on a back burner because I just didn't have the time to pursue it. And then when me and Rick got talking, I dragged it all out and he we, he took some stuff from that and added it into the stack. But the one thing he was very adamant on and, and at the time, I wouldn't say I disagreed because I didn't, but um, I was a bit like, and then when he explained it, I was like, you know what, that's actually a really good idea. And the thing is, a supplement stack or a support stack is only good if you get people to take it. Right. 
And a lot of these stacks are amazing, but they're that fucking expensive. Nobody bothers with them. Or the people that are at risk don't bother with them. I remember him saying his goal was, he was like, it couldn't cost more than a bottle of trend. Yeah, that that was basically the the, the the buzz the buzz phrase we used for it was it had to be priced at the same or less than a bottle of Trent. Yeah, uh, because the people that needed to take it were the people that weren't going to take a, a large amount of financial investment in their health. Yeah. So the guys that do blood testing regularly and, and buy the you know the the Subney stacks or the JP stacks, which are I'm not saying they're not good products, they are, but they are pricey. Um, they're not the guys you need to be concerned about. They already have a financial investment in their health. Right. It's the, la- the lads that do trend, go out on the weekends, sniff a couple of lines, drop pills. You know, the, the people that have a poly drug, poly, uh, drug use and um, may not be that really into looking after themselves from a blood's point of view. We wanted to make it affordable so that they weren't looking at it going, I'm not paying that. Yeah. They'd look at it and go, well, all right, it's not too bad. I'll, I'll try it. And, and I mean, it, it's it's fairly effective up to probably about a total dosage of around a gram. I think when you start going over a gram, you start to need to look at possibly adding some extra bits in for certain areas. But it, in general, it, it's good. No, I mean, we wanted to run a bit more. I think it was citrus, but it was just too cost prohibitive to do it. Well, that said, guys, uh, like I said, check out that, check them out. Uh, the URL is Strom sports that's s-t-r-o-m sports.com and uh, of course we'll have links to that in the descriptions for all our podcasts and we are very grateful that we could find a company that uh that we can believe in so i'll leave it at that we had a bunch of stuff uh that we we're going to do today um we had a bunch of questions from our friend cornelius parkin i didn't know that you knew cornelius since way back he actually like he slammed us with a ton of questions. Plus, we of course, we have all of our listener questions. We were away for a week because you moved. You're in your new home now, which, by the way, guys, we'll have timestamps below if you want to skip through all this nonsense. But I have to ask you, Dave, how are you liking your new house? Your internet looks amazing, first of all. I didn't know they had that in the UK. It's it's growing on me. Um, the move was one of more practical reasons than sort of lifestyle if you know what i mean i mean not saying that the house isn't beautiful it's a beautiful house it just it's because i knew where he lived guys like i came to the uk i found out where he (laughs) lived so he had to basically move but no so it was so we could separate the clinic from the house have a larger clinic have a dedicated stock area because we've got 10 we've got two more clinics so we've got 10 clinics now um so it, it was just to really accommodate Eval expanding, yeah. but also make it a bit more separate because the, the old clinic was literally in, in a spare room in the house. Um, and obviously improved services and everything else. We wanted more car parking space. Uh, we wanted a bit more privacy. Um, but the house itself, I wasn't it – was, it was fine, but I wasn't getting excited about it. Yeah. Um Having moved in, actually now I'm like, you know what? I actually really, really like this place. Okay. The view, the views from up here are stunning. Oh, I sent, um, you sent me pictures, man. I, I don't have them with me, but you sent me pictures like beautiful sunrises, and I saw your wife post them too. Like, yeah, it's epic. Sat, man. sat out at five o'clock in the morning, having a cup of tea, ready to start the day. Just sat out watching the sun come up, and it, it is epic up here. And I must admit, I am. I am slowly but surely falling in love with the place. It, it, it is, yes. This was during the day, guys. So you can imagine the sun coming up over that because that's, I think, facing east that way. Uh, but that's, that, is, that is east, yes. That looks cool, man. That looks really cool. Beautiful view. Uh, while we were away, we got bombarded with questions. And people were curious to know like where Dave was. They must not have heard on the last episode. But people were like, is there no drugs and stuff? What happened to drugs and stuff? So we're back. We got some. We got some questions. I figured I'd start with, uh, like I said, we've got a bunch of them from Cornelius Parkin, which uh, he's a very well-respected coach, um, very popular guy online too. And I didn't realize this, Dave, but you've known Cornelius for a long time. He said you guys used to uh, moderate. Okay, yeah, he mentions it here. And this is a message that he posted. He said, I have known Dave for a long ass time now. Uh, We both moderated the same forum, Team Muscle. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was 
uh, I was one person that publicly said he shouldn't make his goal to get 400 pounds. Instead, I said that he should get really lean. Uh, then we uh, disagreed about uh, what his lean weight would end up being. LOL. Great memories. Uh, forums were fun. Here's a question for the show. Knowing everything he does now, would he go back and skip the full, whole 400-pound thing? And then he had some other questions. I'll get back to those. Uh, I, I get asked this a lot, and it's a difficult one. Um, and actually, probably particularly difficult to answer today because my heart this last week has been giving mm. me fucking shit. Can I, you know what, too? Uh, Let me say real quick for anybody who hasn't watched our show, because some people are like, hey, I just tuned in. Guys, we're grateful to have you. Thank you for tuning in. Dave Crossland, uh, at his peak, was 415 pounds. Now, it wasn't a lean 415, but you were a big dude. Uh, in fact, they did a documentary or two about you under construction one and two. Those are movies you can still go out and purchase, but you were a freaking beast. And your goal wasn't necessarily to step on a body bodybuilding stage. It was to get as massive as freaking possible. So that I just wanted to set that background up for anybody who didn't know who you were. Yeah, I mean, God has a point. You know, 365 was a good balance. Um, I was strong. I was big. Condition was fair for the weight. And I could still – I had good mobility. Yeah. Um, the, the push further did, did end up breaking things. But then at, at the same time, if I hadn't a push further and broke, I would probably have ended up in a situation where I was I was identifying myself at 365 and then constantly trying to attain that. And it would probably long term have done more heart, more damage to myself than I actually ended up doing short term. Hmm. Uh, I often, in fact, I always say I don't regret any of it because it's led me to where I am now. Um, and the personal experience of being that size, of doing what it took to get that size and of abusing drugs at that level, but also the, the, the mental journey of, of coming from being that big to just being a fat fuck and the rabbit hole of disrepound, pound, you know, looking at more drug use and more drug use in, over everything else, I think was invaluable in a lot of ways. Uh, and also that project made me, notorious i suppose really which then gave me a platform to be more effective with the harm reduction stuff and the health stuff and everything else that's followed so do i regret it no would i rather not have the health concerns i currently have <laughs> yeah obviously yeah. uh but i think in balance I still think the overall experience was a positive one. Con was never for it, and we discussed it at length. And no, don't get me wrong. I mean, we disagree on matters, but we we both respect each other's opinions greatly. Um, uh, I think the problem as well was I never did it to be famous on Instagram. I never did it to be noticed on Facebook. Though I exploited those social platforms, I did it because I wanted to do it for me. Because I wanted to see how fucking big I could really get. Yeah, uh, and and so out of all of that, there is. It it was a personal goal that if I hadn't have attempted, I think I would have spent the rest of my days going, "What if?" I could see that he's got a bunch more questions here. I'm going to jump down to this one where he says uh, another question. Dave used to eat legitimately something like 10 pounds of whitefish and 10 pounds of potatoes. Don't quote me on that exact number. Uh, uh, but now with his clients, does he still use uh, this extremist approach, which makes even Dave Pulsinella's five foods that works sound like a varied diet? <laughs> I've never used that approach with clients. That approach was personal to me, and that was twofold. One, there becomes a point when you're consuming so many calories that irrespective of your protein sources, you're going to end up with quite high levels of fat intake. Yeah. Um, so obviously fish was a very lean option. The other situation was just ease of preparation. Yeah. When you're making that amount of meals a day, making them varied, it becomes very time consuming and becomes quite a lot of work. And to be honest, it's just a lot easier to boil up a shit ton of potatoes and a shit ton of fish and then just throw them together. Yeah, um, it is. Strangely, fish, broccoli, 
and potatoes mashed is still a meal that I would willingly eat every day, all day. It doesn't bother me. I found it particularly nice. <clears throat> a bit of salt and pepper, and I was happy to eat that every day, any day. Uh, more so than I would with, you know, like lean beef or, or lean chicken on a regular basis. So no kidding. It was more just something that I found easy to digest, comfortable to prep, uh, and easy to eat in high volumes and, and had no adverse reactions from it. So, so yeah, but yeah, I legitimately ran that diet for probably two years without break. And, and you were eating literally like every hour, basically, that you were awake. Every 90 minutes, yeah. Every 90 minutes, fuck. Mm. Every hour and a half, you're jamming down. It, what, what was it, like 10 ounces of fish and two cups of rice or something? So uh, when I... Well, I moved off the fish and did a bit of a varied diet, which was chicken and beef. And so that was six kilos of beef and chicken a day. So three kilos of chicken, three kilos of beef a day. And oh a, a, a kilo dry weight of rice a day. I challenge anybody out there, try that for a week. No, don't, don't, don't. That's a lot of food. That's because a lot my of food. Because my condition wasn't the best, everybody assumed that I ate shit. And McDonald's was, and stuff. It was far from the truth. My diet was super, super tight. I just ate fucking lots. <laughs> That's funny, man. All right. Let me see what else. He, he might have had some other stuff on here. He said, because uh, um, he had a couple other ones. What about this one? Then we'll move on to our listener questions. He says, uh, another question about his training. Dave has always had... Oops, excuse me. Some pretty unique thoughts on training. Very low volume, lots of screaming, haha. Uh, but he was always focused on the mind muscle connection. Uh, what does he think about this uh, constant uh, beat the logbook approach? I, I've we've touched on this before. I'm not a fan of logbooks. Um, they are a legitimate recording tool. I get that. Yeah, I think the problem is unless you are super disciplined. Now, the logbook was very much popularized by JP. And JP, as an individual, as a human being, is an anomaly. I mean, he, he he's a very unique individual in that his attention to detail, his focus, his drive is rarely found in a, in a human. Uh, and he is someone that would strive to beat the logbook on a weekly basis, but never let it compromise form. Yeah, exactly. Where most people, when they strive to beat the logbook, what starts to happen is form compromises. And the, 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 the basic literal truth is you cannot progress with strength every week. Because yeah. if you did, powerlifting records would be getting broken every week. Yeah. So it's just not physically possible. So there's going to be weeks where you're not as strong. There's going to be weeks where reps drop. And, and I think the logbook approach starts to create this false economy because you start to, and you might not even do it consciously, maybe very subconsciously, but you start to slack and form. You start to bounce a rep. You start to cheat range to rate that number because that number becomes so important to you. Uh, and I, I teach a lot when I teach training. I did a training workshop in Ireland actually on Sunday with Alison O'Leary, who's an IFBB pro. Nice. Um, and it, it's it's like, look, Training's goal is not to do X weight or X reps or X set. Training's goal is to stimulate the muscle for growth. Yeah. Now, weight reps and sets are a tool to which you can use to achieve that, but they aren't and should never be the desired end goal. And yet for most trainers, and a large percentage, I'd probably say 70 plus percent of trainers, they actually go out with a goal to complete X number of reps with X number of sets with X amount of weight. And... It's difficult as a beginner to, to not do that because you need some form of measurement and standard of performance. But as you get more experience, you should start to then really focus. And yeah, there may be a minimum volume, but you should start to really then focus on actually the effect you're having on the muscle you're training. I don't count reps. I don't count sets. And I haven't done for a very long time. Yeah. And I, I didn't in all the UC. I had a basic guide, but that was it. Everything else was was just done on... You know, if I felt I'd got to the end of the workout and the muscle wasn't quite as fucked as I wanted it to be, but I knew there was only one more set to do to, to deal with that, then I'd do that extra set. Whereas if I got to the end of the workout and the muscle wasn't as fucked as I wanted it to be, but I was nowhere near, well, then I'd write it off and just use that to piss myself off to make sure next time I trained I got what I needed out of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, we just had uh, Mike Van Wick. We just recorded with him. He, he's very popular uh, on social media now, IFBB Pro from Canada, uh, and a really smart guy, real passionate about training, and he's really good at articulating his ideas. He agrees with you about the progressive overload, you know, the, that that it in theory, it's a great practice for people that enjoy you know, recording their training. He was like, I don't like doing that. He was like, there's other areas in my life where like, I have to make a list for my day and each thing I'm going to do. But when I'm in the gym, I, I don't want to do that. He's like, so for that reason alone, it doesn't necessarily work for him. But yeah, I think a lot of people, they end up uh, sacrificing form, you know, it's uh, it's for the, for the people who love it though. I say more power to you. You know what I mean? It's like, if that's what you enjoy and that's what, that's what excites you about training, I'm all for it. But if you don't, I wouldn't say that you have to. So that, you know, that's the way I feel kind of. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you can be progressive. You just need to be sensible uh, about the rate of progression. Now I believe in progressive overload and I believe in progression, but I believe in doing it when your performance tells you to do it, not because a rule book or a book of numbers says you must do it this week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we have all sorts of comments here. I think we have some questions in the live feed. Plus, we've got a handful of questions I grabbed from the last episode. Guys, if we don't get to your question, because there were so many of them, uh, if we don't get to your question on this episode that you posted, then comment it on this episode here. We will get to you next time. We'll get through all of them next time. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff, though. Somebody said, uh, who the hell is that pixelated uh, guy? Uh, or who the hell is that guy? Where is our usual pixelated grumpy Englishman? And Ian says, that's David Stanley. I love how everybody knows your middle name. Um, I wonder why, Scott. <laughs> All right. What about this one out of the live stream uh, from Dan? He says, why is PRP so hard to get in the UK? Um, had a recent minor bicep tear um, and have just been using GH and BPC to help it out. PRP is not hard to get. It's available in most fucking aesthetic clinics up and down the fucking country. No the kidding. issue is they don't do PRP for injuries. So oh. what you'd have to do is, if you're looking for PRP for injury rehab, is speak to one of the aesthetic clinics, basically one of the lips and nose jobs. Um, usually they'll do Botox and stuff like that as well. Find one that's doing PRP and then ask them if they're willing to do PRP for an injury. Okay. generally i don't see them having an issue with it because it's exactly the same procedure they pull your blood you know they centrifuge it out and and then they shove it back in so they have the facilities to do it uh, and but prp is used for scalp rejuvenation lip fillers all sorts of shit and it, it's there is a several aesthetic clinics that perform prp so it is available it's just not marketed in the bodybuilding realm okay uh joseph says okay uh here's an odd one uh, does taking digestive enzymes affect the release of capsules, tablets, or other orals? Uh, would they affect a time release, uh, slow release oral? What sort of slow release oral? Because I'm not aware of any anabolic slow release orals. Yeah, I mean, there, maybe he's not talking about that. Maybe he's talking about, you know. Like if you're just talking about slow release tablets, then no, they shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there may be a there may be a, a slight change in in digestion rate, but I can't see it being anything that would dis particularly disrupt the medication or the supplement you were taking. Brandon says under construction should totally be on Netflix. I, I totally yeah. agree with that. We we spoke to Netflix about doing it. Uh, they were sort of interested, but weren't. And then they said they would do it, but we effectively had to pay them, and it was like fuck off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mentioned before the show, we were, we were saying because uh, Ziga had said uh, hello from Slovenia. And I said that all those countries are really good at making AKs and the U.S. can't. Uh, we had a comment that the U.S. makes one hell of an AR. Yes, we, we do. We make we make some good AR-15s over here, Dave. But all right, let me see what we got off, off of YouTube. Uh, Kevin says, fantastic show. New sub. So he's new with us. Uh, I, uh, thank you for joining us. And by the way, anybody else who's new at the, the programming, we have several bodybuilding pop, pot, blah, 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 several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. So you know, subscribe, all that stuff. He says, uh, I just started taking Anadrol two weeks ago, and I'm on test sip, 250 milligrams a week. Also, I have noticed incredible strength increases already. 
but will this translate into actual new muscle growth besides the insane pumps from the Anadrol? If if you use that strength to create increased damage to the muscle and you feed that muscle so it can recover, then yes, it will. Yeah. I would agree with that 100%. That was an easy one. All right. Big Bear in the Gym. It says, another great show as always. Love the humor between yourselves. My question is, is there a way to test your estrogen at home? There yeah, is. there's postal there's postal test kits, fingerprint kits, but if you're on about a home test kit where you would take a sample and, and test it there and then, no, there isn't. What about eval? Yeah, but we're not at his house, are we, you spaz? You just, but you get the call the number. Do you want me to bring that commercial up again? I made for you. Do you yeah. want? Do you want me to put? Do you want me to punch you in the face again? <laughs> Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> so many people told me that they loved the commercial. There was somebody who was like, "I could have never done that. That was so amazing. You did such a great job." Just throwing it out there. Look. Please, people, do not encourage him. He's a big enough <laughs> asshole as it is. He does not need you lot blowing smoke up his ass. All right, here we go. Another one. Um, he says, um, what do you guys think of running Anadrol? A lot of Anadrol questions. 50 milligrams on training days and D-ball, 25 milligrams on off days together. This is with 300 milligrams of Tren E and test at 600. What does he even mean by this, Dave? So basically, he takes Anadrol on training days, and on non-training days, rest days, he takes Debo. On off days together. What is it? I, don't, look. I think he just means the separate days, but the compounds together over a weekly span. Okay. So he takes. Uh, so it's one of two things. He's either doing. A bombs to make you happy are on training days and D ball on rest days, or he's doing A bomb and D ball on training days and just D ball on rest days. Huh. Okay. If he was doing the A bombs and D ball together on training days, that you're getting up there on, on total milligrams for oral, so you're going to start creating some fairly high levels of stress there. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's not doable because it is. Because I've done two hundred, um, but I would I would suggest that it is something that you do not want to do for an extended period of time. If you're talking about swapping the orals between training days and rest days, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think you're going to see any particular benefit from doing it, but you're not going to see any particular negatives from doing it either. Hmm. Only thing you might see is some some little weird estrogenic activity because you've got D-ball in and then out and then in and then out. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't see a, a particular negative from, from doing A-bombs on training and D-ball on rest. But if you're talking 100 mig of oral on a training day, it's not excessive, but you are starting to get up to the higher level of dosing. So I, I would be conscious that I don't run that for too long an extended period of time. I feel like one of the reasons we do an oral on a training day is, of course, we want to get a like a pre-workout effect, hopefully. But the other reason is, is to kind of also be able to give yourself a break on non-training day. But in this case, he's not really getting a break. He's just going straight yeah, to another oral. I mean, there is there is that, but at the end of the day, his total dosing of orals fifty milligrams a day. It, it's a it's within a sort of generally well tolerated range for dosing, and you are going to get that secondary action that you'll get with orals, i.e., non AR action, but um, non genomic and genomic in the muscle tissue um, cell receptor engagement. I think there was a guy named Gavin Kane on the message boards. Do you remember that name? Not at all. I think he, he wrote like a bunch of articles and they were real slick, like like he was a guy who did like an article, but it was actually a message board post and they were real slick. And I, and I kind of feel like people might have figured out that he wasn't quite being truthful about his identity later or that, you know, he didn't have the insight that he claimed to. But he would write articles that made you want to do the stuff he suggested. And one of them was combining Anadrol and D-Ball together in one cycle, like running a... I think I want to say it was like 100 milligrams of Anadrol and 50 milligrams of D-Ball together, along with Deca and Test. A fucking stone would grow off that. Yeah, I did that, but I 
way back the dose down. I did four weeks of 25 D ball and 50 Anadrol. It was good. Like I, I grew on that. I've only ever the highest I've gone with orals, which is high, but it was for a very short period of time. I think it lasted two weeks. Was a hundred mig of uh, Anadrol and a hundred mig of Anavar. And that's not really crazy talk, I don't think. You know, it's not something and I would suggest. I, but I, I lasted two weeks and I stopped. And the reason I stopped was the pumps were fucking insane. Yeah, I got bigger pumps off that than I did dosing GH and slim pre workout, and I to the point where I couldn't fucking move. It was just like this is pointless, <laughs> so I stopped it. I like this comment from Doug. Uh, he says, uh, "Hello, fellows. Dave's comebacks are so much funnier." With Dave now in high definition. How about this one? Oh, so that's what Dave looks like. I know I'm incredibly handsome, and it's difficult to realize actually how beautiful a human being I am. Sure, <laughs> up laughing, you, you fucker. Um, so obviously now, please don't get all excited and have climaxes watching this. Now you've seen how beautiful I really am. But, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. This is a PG program. This is a family program, guys. Fuck <laughs> oh, off. This is a family <laughs> <laughs> Hi, fellas. Love the podcast. Uh, what over-the-counter product would you recommend to reduce water retention in abdomen from too high of estrogen? I would recommend lowering your estrogen. Yeah. Um, over-the-counter... Um, Really, using a water product because you've got high estrogen driving water retention is a bit like filling a bucket with a hole in it. What? Well, you're going to constantly have to fill the fucking thing oh, because yeah. the water is going to constantly run out the bottom. So by not tackling the high estrogen, you're going to constantly be fighting the water retention issue. Whereas if you actually tackled the high estrogen, then you wouldn't have any need for this ongoing unnecessary use of, an anti of a, a diuretic form of supplementation. Uh, if you're talking about natural estrogen yeah. suppression products, then I'd be looking at DIM. DIM. That'd be, that'd be something to consider for sure. Mm, that'd be where I'd start. And I wonder but why... I'd also want to know why your estrogen is high. That's that'd what I was going to say. Yeah. Question. Yeah. I remember, mm. uh, you know, like when you go to the gym and you meet guys that maybe are gearing up gym rats that they don't have a lot of science behind it. They they don't even have a good source. They just buy their gear off of some dude out of their, out of, you know, out of the locker room. And this guy tells him what to do, you know, kind of cycles. Those guys don't always have the best education. And I met a guy at my gym one time that uh, I, I don't want to mention his name. He ended up. Uh, he, he told so me. So did it, you did you did you give him his drugs and his cycle then? Yeah, yeah, that was me. I met him in the locker room while I was selling him his drug. No, I do not do that stuff. Anyway, um, he he told me that in the summertime, he, his cycles were sustenon. He just did like a couple cc's of sustenon. He said in the summertime, I'll add a little trend to that, and then I use a diuretic each day to help keep my water weight down. You know, help keep me tighter and drier. I was like, you know, there's other ways to go about that. And uh, I said, it really wouldn't be a good idea. He's like, yeah, that's what I've always done. He's probably in his 30s, something like that. Anyway, I, uh, I, I talked to him about that, and I helped him to understand some stuff. Fast forward a couple months, and uh, he was getting ready to do uh, testing to go into the police department. And uh, they had to do a physical. And when he did a physical, they found out that his kidneys had been greatly damaged. Because of the diuretic use. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Like, to the point where it was a life changer for him. He ended up, as I mean, I'm sure you can relate, Dave. He had to come off everything. He had to stop eating all protein. You know, the, the, they were really afraid that he was going to need a transplant at one point. Mm. Uh, and then he could slow. Like, so he couldn't even really sustain muscle because he couldn't eat protein anymore. It was like under 50 grams a day. It was less. They can be a bit over the top sometimes with the, the protein recommendations, but yeah, it, it's a standard sort of recourse. I would like to point out that Scott does not hang around in locker rooms because ever since the court case, he's not allowed to. 
<laughs> they don't let me. They tell me I can't go in locker rooms, or I have to stay within a hundred yards away from uh, elementary schools. But oh, I wasn't going to go there. That, oh, that, that's a bit too much. That one. Come on, this is family show now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, oh, where can we send Dave some cake? I put a request out for cake because I was stressed over moving. Okay. Huh. Um, which I I may add that none of you fuckers actually responded and brought me any cake. So you're all twats and you can all fuck off. Katrina really made you spoiled is what this comes down to. You asked for cake, you asked for cake, she brought you all sorts of cakes and now you think. It's like my dog. I give her a treat one day and now she thinks she's going to always get a treat. Now Dave always thinks he's going to get cake. It's not how it works. I'm fucking out. Katrina didn't just bring cake. Katrina brought fucking <laughs> cupboards full of cake. Jesus Christ. If I'd have eaten all that, I would be dead or diabetic <laughs> or both. All right. Zed, who was also in the live stream. He's the guy from Sylvania. He says, hi, Scott Quester for the show. Keto diet, uh, fully fat adapted in a surplus with gear. Can an individual see gains on it? Hmm. No, that was I'm, in the live stream. Not, they both started with this. Yeah, so I yeah, got confused. Yeah. It's all right. It's not that easy, is it? You know, you <laughs> sim- simple minds and all that. Um, twice. Um, you changed, mate. You forgot it. Um, I, I'm not. There's a few people I know that have done keto mass gain sort of diets, uh, and they have said that they have progressed. I'm skeptical. I I think you'd have to be particularly careful. I don't think you're going to be able to, to perform on a sort of hit format for your training. I think you're going to end up having to be quite volume-based. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, just because of the carb need for that high level of performance, which would be required for hit. Um, but I'm told it can be done, but at the end of the day, I do not recall any bodybuilder that's ever been big that's gone, I got here on keto. Yeah. I think the key is he he did say in a surplus. So in a surplus and you're on gear, I suppose you could grow some muscle. Would it be the most effective way possible? Probably not. Would it be the least effective way possible? Possibly. <laughs> you know? Well, the, the, the point is, if you know what this community is like, if if I if I put a post up tomorrow saying I've just discovered Schnarkenbark uh, and this thing will make you fucking massive, here's a study to prove it, and there was a study saying that people using Schnarkenbark gain ten pound of muscle in ten weeks. Every fucker would be on Snarkenbark within a week. By the way, Snarkenbark is a made-up thing. Don't go out looking for Snarkenbark. I was going to um, ask. I was going to yeah. ask. <laughs> Everybody's Googling. Snarkenbark. I'll just spell Snarkenbark. Um, and, and if, you know, keto mass gaining was in any way particularly effective, fuck me, we would know about it because the big fuckers doing it left, right, and center. Yeah, yeah. You know, we do what works, right? Yeah. All right, this is a lot of words here. Um, no, no, fuck. Jesus, so, ban him. Sorry for the additional comments, questions, but since this is your more recent podcast, I wanted to ask if you've if you've used intra workouts without problems. I seem to have an issue most people don't have with a specific intra workout, uh, intra HD. I had to throw it out. You could have given it to a friend uh, that may potentially have MSG flavoring. It tastes funny to me. Then it seems to hit me harder in the gym as I feel depleted. And then at the same time, the flavoring ingredient, whatever it really is, makes me automatically want to puke within minutes. The first time I took it, I did puke in the bathroom. I felt rather stupid, and one of the gym staff informed me that it may be the dextrose and that my body may not like using carbs for glycogen storage. Uh, I couldn't make sense of it as I have no real issues with carbs in general, including dextrose. Makes sense. And I already know... I need to be consuming more protein for my body weight anyway. Uh, I am sensing sensitive to MSG. Uh, I think that's what it is. Uh, does this make sense to you guys? Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. All right. I'll stop there. Thanks. 
that made my head hurt. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. So, first of all, let's just deal with, you don't need intro. You can use it, but you don't really need it. Now, I know Clever Scott, um, as opposed to not Clever Scott. Uh, okay, well, averagely Clever Scott. Um, Thank you. As rather to <laughs> super, super, super Brain Scott. Um, does brain does say that does say that interest support is particularly effective at helping with with growth. I disagree. In in reality, I don't think there's a major carryover there. Um, I think if your nutrition throughout the day is on point, then an inter is not in any way necessary. Um, I've never gotten with interest. They've always made me want to retch. Um, it's got nothing to do with MSG flavorings because there's no way I'm fucking intolerant to them bastard things. I have them in loads of stuff. Um, I just find that trying to drink anything that has any sort of level of content, and this is right down from aminos to carb drinks to anything when I'm training, usually results in me projectile vomiting at the nearest person, um, which is definitely not a pleasant experience for them. Um, so I would suggest that it's probably just the fact that you're trying to take in a nutrient while you're training, uh, and I would just bang it on the head. Yeah. Yeah, I think the main issue, I, I agree, first of all, like that. Well, let me say this. I don't think the intros are completely necessary. Can they be beneficial, especially for guys who are doing longer workouts? I think they can be helpful. You know, back mm -hmm. when I was doing literally three hour workouts, it was amazing to have uh, an intro workout and we were taking it high, like really high back then. Like when when highly branched cyclic dextrin first came out. Uh, John Meadows was really the guy who kind of started telling us about it. We were experimenting, uh, as John was, with like 200 plus grams of carbs intra-workout. Now, if you use that and you don't mix it really thin, it'll upset your stomach. Uh, it has to be, that's the main issue. So highly branched cyclic dextrin is so fast to get in your system. But the key is, is it has to be mixed thin. So if you just use your average, like your average shaker cup, and you put 50 grams of carbs in this, there's a chance that you could get an upset stomach. Now, if you were to double that amount of water, then you'll you'll have a better time. Key is being able to handle that. So when we were doing like 200 carbs, you literally had to have like three quarters of a gallon of fluid in order to, in order to keep it dilute enough. Uh, so that would be one thought. But man, yeah, if you're throwing up, like if I threw up once off of a pre-workout, I would do the same thing he did. I would toss or an intra, I would toss it. I would never taste that again. You know, so it's it's actually a, a little bit of a dirty trick played for on sometimes in in UK prisons is they will sugar your kettle. Now there's two reasons for this. First thing is if what they, the sugar you put loads of sugar in your kettle. Now there's two reasons behind uh -huh. this. One reason is you boil the water and then throw it at some fucker, and with the sugar it sticks to the skin and does more damage. But the other reason is <laughs> that if you if you the more you know if you. If you drink a cup, if you make a cup of tea with that water, or you make a porridge with that water, granted, it's gonna taste incredibly sweet, but it's also gonna give you the shit. Oh yeah, yeah. High dextrose will do that. High glucose in any form will generally upset most people's stomachs. Yeah. So it could have been dextrose. It, it could easily have been. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I'm not. I mean, I know he says he's sensitive to MSGs, but I don't really see that being the driving influence here. I, I do think it's more just the dextrose, the, the glucose contents, whatever form it's coming. Yeah. If he's in the U.S. and he wants to use a good quality pre or intro workout, I would suggest he goes to our sponsor, True Nutrition, use our code THINK, and get MPA muscle intrusion. That's good, Dave. That's good. Now, that's what I use, and I love the flavor. And here's the thing is that there are so many companies now, Dave, with these intra-workouts that they're they're basically like you'll, – you'll look at the ingredients, and it'll be like highly branched cyclic dextrin, 12 grams. And then it'll be like super intensifier carb matrix, 15 grams. You know what's in that matrix, that patented blend? Dextrose. Sugar. Yeah. yeah. It's cheap. But they're, they're, so you get a 25 grams of carbs per scoop of this intra. It tastes good. Also, it's sprinkled with some EAAs. But uh, you're paying the cost of what you would have been like the cost of an actual full scoop of highly branched cyclic dextrin. So just get something you can trust. Get true nutrition if you wanted to try an intra. Otherwise, if you want to take Dave's advice and don't use one, I think you'll be just fine with that too. 
All right. What else do we have here? Hi, guys. Love the show. Currently on a cut and got six weeks to go. On test C, 60 milligrams twice a week. Looking to add in Anivar, 25 milligrams a day may increase and would like to try uh, to run Mast E, but not sure uh, if it's okay to run with a low dose of test uh, if it in two if it is okay to run with 60 milligrams of test twice a week uh, what dose would you guys recommend he's never run master on before I would not touch it no no I know that I know there's a popularity towards sports TRT uh, I know it's Brod something Broderick's into but if you're running 120 mega test a week pretty much Anything above sort of 30, 40 milligrams of mast is going to start to lower your estrogen levels quite low. So the only way you're going to get away with adding mast is to increase the test. Now, if you ran 250 mega test a week, you could potentially then comfortably run 100 mega mast, 150 mega mast. But at, at 120, I would be very concerned that any mast run or any primo added to that is just going to drop your estrogen levels too low. So he's got six weeks left, and he was talking about adding in the VAR. I'd say that just that's fine, you know? Yeah, I'd add the VAR I have no issue with at all. Drop the VAR in, fine. But I, I wouldn't be looking at adding mast. Not on that dose of test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's TRT levels. You know, he, he's not he's not even going to have his test levels super pharmacological on that. Yeah. Or if he is, it's only going to be just. He's going to be like 29, 30 ml. All right. Let's see. Question for... Do you have an... Uh, Dave, do you have a, uh, a what do you call it, a um, fire detector that needs to have the battery changed over there? Did I hear a little chirp over there? Don't know what you're talking about, mate. I hear a chirp sound once in a while. No, don't know what you're talking about, mate. Dave, I don't want your house to burn down with you in it. Just going to say that. All right. Uh, Damon, client of mine. He says, question... Uh, for the next podcast, pending positive blood work and coach approval. That's me. Uh, I am Get on a better coach. <laughs> I'm on legit TRT uh, dose of 140 milligrams a week. Test E um, contemplating adding 150 milligrams of Primo to a slightly better TRT reason. I respond well to DHTs and I bought a shit ton of Primo years ago and it's very close to expiring. I uh, don't want to waste it, LOL. Please refer to previous answer. A little more test to make that work. <laughs> I think so. Um, I just don't, I just think you, your estrogen level is going to get too low. Um, I'm not saying you'll particularly suffer from that. You may do. It will depend on your, your personal sensitivities. But um, what you will see is a very big impact in HDL. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and, and there's a big, big move these days towards running test and primo, test and mast in TRTs. And what's happening now as a result of that is that where normally we go on cycle, HCL gets hammered because we're on cycle. We come off, we go onto a cruise. It's just test. HCL recovers. We go again. Yeah. It ain't fucking happening. Yeah. Because the, the DHT in the cycle is keeping estrogen low, and as a result, HDL is not fucking recovering. And then they're going back into cycle, and they're starting the cycle with a 0.5 HDL, which is then getting even lower. Uh, and so steadily but surely, I'm seeing a decline in HDL levels. And um, this is happening because people don't want to use a Remedex because it affects their HDL. Uh, yep. You said that, Scott. You bad man. You bad man. <laughs> How dare you question the anti-estrogen crowd? You bad man. All right. I uh, wanted to share my experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we had talked about EQ last last episode a couple weeks ago. He says, um, while testing with my doctor on TRT, 170 milligrams, my E2 came back at 48. A few months later, when I decided to do a cycle of 500 tests, 500 EQ, 
my E2 came back at 47, around six to seven weeks into the cycle. However, it wasn't the same case with one of my friends. He did end up having high E2, 115 plus, and required an AI. Not sure how it works exactly, but personally, it did act as an anti-estrogen. Appreciate I am not, uh, not in any way questioning the gentleman's genuinity in this at all. But with my mind working how it works, I just would like to know, did he test his test levels when he was on the 500? And did he then know that his test was genuinely elevated so that we know that that is definitely an E2 suppression? I suspect it is, but... It's nice to have the, the confirmation with the numbers. There was yeah. someone messaged me as well, and I don't remember the name, so it may even have been this gentleman. If it was, he did confirm that his test levels were substantially elevated when he was on cycle. And they, they said the same, that they had a, a noticeable E2 drop by adding an EQ. So it would appear that I am wrong and have been for some time. Um. Yeah, we had a few people that commented similar similar comments. I imagine that that is that, that he did check his testosterone levels too. Yeah. I, I would assume so as well, but it, it's more, you know, if, if I'm going to collect this uh, as credible data, I need to cover all bases with it yeah, to make sure that of course. the data is the data is correct. And I'm very open to being fucking wrong. Bloody hell, I'm I'm wrong pretty much most days with my wife's eyes, so <laughs> it ain't something I'm not I'm not used to, uh, but. You know, like I said, this is the first time I've had a proper look at it and, and people are coming back. So there is definitely, it would appear so far that there is definitely potential for EQ to be anti-estrogenic, but it would also appear that it's not consistent in all people. But then again, we go back to the same problem. Was the other person using genuine EQ or was there something different in the drugs he was taking and not what they were supposed to be and all that crap? So that's why I'm wanting to check test levels with these people as well. So we know that test was genuinely elevated. Then we know that the EQ... That makes sense. Well, Absolutely. You know, it would appear that the EQ is doing something positive. And I don't really see EQ being replaced with Masteron because it's a more expensive no, drug. No, so no. I can't see there being any questionability around the EQ being genuine. I've, so, I've heard it before. And I do have, I have um, like a, a female client uh, who will use EQ. She keeps the dose real low. But we found that she needs to also run it with a small amount of test. Uh, in order in order to keep from getting low estrogen. Just why you've mentioned a female using test, I have noticed uh, a growing number of girls over here running TRT. Low dose, sort of five milligrams a week of test because their own natural test levels are quite low because of repetitive dieting, keeping in lean condition, all the rest of it. Yeah. The progress these girls seem to be making is is across the board seems to be yeah. good yeah and obviously there's there's loads of factors to this and i am not for one second saying that this is the only driving influencer but i am now curious as to female use of just a low dose of test but for an extended period of time is actually a very effective way to dose females for growth yeah so this girl is in uh she's she's smaller than women's physique we'll say mm -hmm. and um that's what she's done dosing is very very low and uh this is this is what she's found she responds to over the years the best she's one of the girls that have had issue with uh things like uh primo things like anivar that she gets a lot of weird bloating from anivar anivar that i'm certain is real anivar that i've mm. used myself anivar that i've seen other clients use uh that i highly trust across the board various brands she has that bloating effect and we've talked about that before in fact we got a bunch of insight from victoria on the reasons that that mm -hmm. can happen but she finds that a low dose of test works well for her so we're talking you know very low and and that she does well with it and then we can use that to kind of support her hormones while she's using something like EQ, too, also at a, a low dose. Yeah, I'd be curious if, if there are any females running just like five mig, three, four, five mega tests a week, and they've noticed a, a definite increase in progression Yeah, with that low base. Um, I mean, these girls are running this year round, so it's not like they're doing it, you know, for a, a season. They're doing it year round, but they all seem to be putting on 
substantial amounts of muscles. I mean, obviously, they are running cycles as well, so there's many factors in this, but it just got me thinking. It's one of them things where you know it's a pattern and then you go off and start looking for evidence to support a possible idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at just, I mean, let's say that they they can do this without, uh, you know, going above their natural range, or let's say that they, let's say they, they just keep it at the high end. I mean, of course that makes sense, doesn't it? That that would then support better muscle growth, right? Well, I mean, if you think about it, so a female's upper limit is 1.4. If they're running five mig and they're sitting at say two, 2.5, then that's equivalent of a male sitting at say 55, 60 year round. Yeah, you just like all those different numbers you said don't make any sense to me. But I do know exact I know exactly what you mean though. So basically double up a range. So from a UK point from a US point of view, you're talking about twenty-four and GDL. Okay. Now, what seems to be different within the females is if a male ran their test at 24 NGL year-round, we're going to see blood thickening. We're going to see fucked HDL. We're going to see other impacts that are negative from that mm. developed dose. You don't see that in a female. Hmm. And I think it's just because they, even though the dose is double their range, it's still the total dose is actually very, very low. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think the thing that they are missing in that equation would be having progesterone in the mix. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to have their test, they're going to have their estrogen, but now they're missing progesterone. And I think they need the three of those things to kind of, you know, that that would be, and that's what you would get. Like, I mean, when we talk about testosterone for females, like, let's be clear, guys, like outside of bodybuilding, it is used as part of hormone replacement therapy yeah, for women at, is, you know, yeah. much smaller doses. So Yeah, it is. It's it not like women don't have test. We've got one more mm-hmm. here, and I think there's one in the live feed from uh, Alfonso. He says, uh, great content as usual. Can you guys talk about superdraw dosage cycles and what to look for when on cycle? Thanks, man. All of it, awesomeness. Ravi. Ravi Sun is his name. Um, I think 20 milligrams, is that a higher dose? No, I would have said 20 to 30. I would have said a high dose is 60. So you could start with 10 probably even just to see what you think of it. Yeah. Less experienced user. Solo, I would I would have said 20. Okay, yeah. Um, if it's combination, you could probably start lower, but solo, I'd definitely say about 20. Usual, six to eight weeks. Uh, you know, uh, what do you expect from it? You you should see some 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 mild lean increases. You'll definitely see an increase in fullness. Uh, Superdraw seems to be quite effective at keeping you nice and full. Yeah. Strong, too. Mm. A lot of side effects for some people, though. Like, yeah, it seems to be when, when you start looking at the chemical uh, elements of it, it, it doesn't appear to be any harsher than any of our oral, but people do report it really giving them fucked up readings. So... Okay, actually, we had a couple more. We'll make these quick. Doug Myers, he says, uh, is there an upper limit to the amount of time one should be in a caloric deficit when prepping for a contest, etc.? cetera? Uh, extended cut 20 plus weeks with more gradual approach uh, versus more traditional 12 to 20 weeks. So the only thing I would say with an extended calorific deficit, the first thing would be the fact that you may need to schedule in refeeds to keep metabolism nice and elevated and the only other issue would be that as long as that deficit is not too great and your body fat level maintains a a need for a deficit then then i don't see an issue with a 20-week cut at all but you just might need to add in refeeds to to keep things moving along before i started bodybuilding the the competitive bodybuilding the crowd before me was doing 10 to 12 week diets for their contest preps. When I got into it, we were doing 12 to 16. It's extended back further now. And in general, I use a slower approach. I would say that I would want 20 weeks with somebody to be our absolute best. Now, keep in mind, we're not dieting real hard that whole time. I wanna be able to get you in shape several weeks early, you know? And if you're in, because I used to think this, Dave, when I first started prepping, I would think that we wanted to time it up so that you were at your absolute perfect conditioning 
as we reach the show. Then we fill you out. That way you're your freshest. You're not risking getting mm. too mu- too much muscle loss, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Now I realize that you're not going to lose muscle. We can fill you back out, especially if we back off the diet, back off the cardio, get you sleeping better, get you eating more. You know, that last month you're dieting, but you might not really be dieting. You know, you come in feeling rested and let low stress. Yeah, I did that with a, a bikini girl that competed at the weekend. Um, yeah, how'd you we, do? She came second. How'd she look? Good. Really happy with her look. Um, a little bit confused, but I wasn't there, so I can't really comment more than that. And this is not your usual. Well, she should have won bollocks of this. If I thought she was shit, I'd say, you know, you know what? It just wasn't on, 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 on for the day. Yeah. But no, I felt she had a really good look. I, I thought the girl that won, to me anyway, seemed a little bit overly lean for bikini, but... That's how the, the judges went with it. So that's that's the, the thing you deal with. Um, no sour grapes. We just move on. Um, the main thing was she was happy with the look. Um, and the girl, the girl that beat her, I mean, she won five classes and an overall. So. Yeah, oh, yes. Very experienced. No, not at all. She entered. This, this was the weird thing. No, the girl she who entered. won. No, she wasn't. That was the point. Oh, I thought you said she won five shows. <laughs> She won five classes in that show. She oh. did first time. She did first, first time as beginners, novice, tall, and something else. I got you. Uh, then won the overall, but she'd won the overall in another federation the week before as well. So it all seemed a bit odd to me. But um, no, no sour grapes at all. I just, I didn't. For me, bikini is that softer, fuller, a little bit rounder look, and and I thought she was more trained bikini than she was regular bikini, but. Every Fed has their own way of interpreting these these classes, don't they? So, unfortunately, she'd not competed with two bros before, and it was a different way of judging that we weren't expecting. It's so weird. They have guys in the UK, they have trained versus, what, soft? Well, yeah, so you have... So, bikini is very marginal muscle separation, nice fullness, obviously lean, Visible outline of abs, but we're not looking for vascularity. We're not looking for any any detail. Yeah. Then tra- trained bikini is the same level of muscular development, but a harder condition. Yeah. All right. We got one more here. Alfonso says, uh, great show, guys. Thoughts on kettlebell swings for glutes, uh, 10 to 20 reps. Mm, I wouldn't say, depending on how he set the movement up, I suppose he, he could be quite glute dominant, but I wouldn't wouldn't be the thing I would particularly look to go to. I would I would say hip drive and core strength and stuff would definitely be something coming from kettlebell swings, uh, specifically glute development. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's a bit more broad spectrum as a movement rather than that specific. Yeah, I see that as like a functional strength movement, right? Mm. You know, so mm. if you were somebody who already had dominant glutes that grew no matter what you did, then sure, it might be a great glute exercise, but I wouldn't think if that was your goal. You know, you know I would suggest checking out Brett Contreras. Go to his YouTube, check out his videos. He's helped me understand that there's three different directions, basically, to fire the glute. Uh, and, and I think once I understood that, that helped me better understand how to set up workouts that would, uh, you know, accommodate better growth. I could see the movement working if you were deliberately and very purposely firing from the glute to create the drive. Yeah. In the same way you would with a, a hip thrust. So if you were doing a hip thrust, effectively you do a hip thrust standing up holding a, holding a kettlebell. I could see that, but you're not going to get that full kettlebell swing with that you're only going to get a partial swing yeah 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 it wouldn't be my first vote you know in fact Hmm. any of the bikini girls i know uh that are attempting to create world-class glutes they're not doing kettlebell swings so i i would lean toward what they're doing we probably had some more dave but that was all the questions i had because we are out of time that is my pleasure sir um I'm glad you enjoyed your new 3D HD, Dave. It's good. This is this is different. It's going to take some getting used to, I think, for the audience <laughs> and and for me. Uh, it is it is a bit weird, even for me, seeing myself so clear. <laughs> it's good. It's good. This is the way podcasting is supposed to be. Um, no, it's not. I like our clunky podcasting where things don't work and shits crap. I think it's more in keeping with us. 
people will be pretty soon. They'll be like, the show stopped being good after Dave's camera got fixed. <laughs> yeah, they, they started getting professional and it ruined the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, check out our new sponsor. Like I said, Strom Sports. We'll have links to them below. Uh, we mentioned uh, you know one of their health products, but they have a bunch of stuff. I want to check out their Support Max joint product, uh, and they've got a bunch of other things. So we'll be talking more about them uh, as the uh, as the programs continue to come out. Uh, and and uh, of course, I, I don't think I mentioned it at first, but they're mainly a UK based company they don't have shipping and stuff they don't have guaranteed shipping to the u.s i believe he said before that you can ship to the u.s but you, he's not going to guarantee it gets there and if it doesn't get there you're out of luck so we're mainly focused on the uk with these guys and then true nutrition is our u.s based company and then supplement source is our people to the great north for for you guys up there in canada and of Ice course farmers. go to eval bloodanalysis.com you can reach out to Dave there you can get your labs done and you can get a free pizza of your choice with several toppings just so Lucas I know Strom don't do promo codes um, unless that's changed but as far as I'm aware Strom don't do promo codes Rick has always had this philosophy of I produce a very good quality product at a fair price, which he does. Value for money, I do think he produces excellent products. Yeah. And he does have some particularly good stuff in his range. Uh, Frombo Max is, is, is quite good. Support Max Neuro is very, very good. I've heard um, about that one. Yeah, I've heard a couple of people talk about it. Yeah, Support Max Neuro for cortisol management is, is, is particularly good. Nice. Um, and, and he's one of the few companies that produces P5P in a decent fucking strength as well. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so he does that at 150 meg tabs, which which everyone else does it at 50. So it, it's it's useful. Really? Okay. Is that harder to get over there? It's easy to get, but you just can't get it in stronger than 50 milligram tabs. So you end up taking a bucket full of tablets every time uh, you use it. Where uh, at 150 a tablet, you bang three down, and you're pretty much where you need to be. So it it just makes it a lot more usable. Um, yeah, yeah, some some. Yeah, you know I said there's. Ricks develop products based around a need rather than develop products because someone else is doing it. Right, right. Or, or for the sake of doing it, you know what I mean? Um, uh, and, you know, credit credit where it's deserved, he, he, he is fastidious about getting the proper quality ingredients for his products. Yeah, Absolutely. So anyways, like I said, guys, we appreciate having them on board. They're definitely a good fit. We appreciate having you guys hang out with us on the live stream. Everybody on YouTube and anybody else who's listening, whatever, go over to YouTube, leave us some comments. You guys will, uh, you, you'll help us to, to boost the show and the algorithm. Plus, if you have questions, uh, those questions will be taken on the next show. We didn't have Christmas cabbage on this episode. We'll have to, you, he's probably in a box somewhere. I didn't even ask. No, he's he's not. He's out and about, but he's out and about. He's he's finding his way around the new house and, and settling, settling into his bedroom as well because I've told him he has to get his bedroom sorted. All right. Reach out to Dave over on social media. I'll leave a link to his Instagram because you don't really use the crosslands.org.uk a ton now, right? So my website is shit. If if you want to if you want to join and spend a fiver to look through uh, a shit, there is plenty of articles on there, but I've not updated it in five fucking years, and I'm not going to do. Okay. So join by all means, spend a fiver, have a read, cancel your membership, fuck off. That's fine. I have no issue with that whatsoever. If you want to join, spend a fiver and use that as a way of drilling me for advice. Fine, happy to do that as well. As long as your membership's valid, I'll answer your questions. But don't go there thinking you're going to see some old singing, old dancing, amazing uh, website, because it is not. It is okay. crap. Well, how do people reach out to you for coaching? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, or they can contact me through the contact form on the website as well. All right, cool. So go to crosslands.org.uk in that case, guys, or hit them up on social media. I'll have links below. You can hit me up for coaching, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Drop me a message. I'd be happy to share with you information about my programming and my rates. Dave Crossland for another episode of Drugs and Stuff. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye.